All right, hello, and thank you for joining us for another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. Today, we are gonna talk about low barrier shelters are a myth. Um, there's a lot of talk in the community about low barrier shelters, and uh, I would just say that there's a lot of things that the average person isn't considering uh, when they when they consider when they think about a low barrier shelter and what that means. You know, it's it's fall here in Southern Oregon, and the leaves are changing colors. The steelhead are in the river. The deer are hiding from their hunters. Um, and we suddenly remember how cold it gets here. And every year in my 10-year employment with the Gospel Rescue Mission around October, we get pelted with the same exact questions by the media. They always go something like this, are, are you gonna change your rules to allow more people when the temperature drops? Or uh, can people just come in to get warm? And every year, it breaks my heart to realize that the answer I give will disappoint them and that they, they really only want the news answer. Every year, we go back to the same old search for a hero offering a safe, low-barrier shelter from the elements and an implied condemnation of the Gospel Rescue Mission and, and organizations like that because they have so many rules. We answer the questions, the truth is they're just not listening. When we talk about this low barrier, um, I'm, I'm always asking, how low is low? What defines a barrier? I'm told that a barrier is anything that prohibits somebody from receiving services. And so if I ask a question like, well, is our county jail low barrier? Uh, in other words, can a person with an addiction enter the jail and be expected to quit using that substance during the duration of their stay? Or does their addiction pose as the barrier? They answer something like, of course, it's not a low barrier shelter because you must commit a crime to get in. The barrier isn't the addiction, but the need to be a criminal, that's the barrier to getting into the jail. And I ask, well, why is that barrier there then? I know it sounds obvious, but they'll say, well, because a non-criminal wouldn't be safe in the criminal population. And a non-criminal has earned a greater degree of dignity than the criminal population. So if we're to treat the homeless with a greater dignity than the criminal, why not begin with the assumption that they're capable of doing any good thing that a criminal can do? We expect that a criminal has to stop all of their addictions cold turkey without dying. And yet, to expect that of a law-abiding citizen who happens to be homeless, it's somehow raising an insurmountable barrier? It seems to me that treating others with dignity would mean that I trust that they are capable of greater self-control than the average criminal. You see, safety includes barriers. About five years ago, I sat across from a group of would-be heroes that approached us about this idea of opening a warming center at their church. They'd say something like, you see, we really want to reach those that won't come into the mission because of all your rules, and we want to minister to them. And after we've had some time with them, well, we think we can persuade many of them to actually come to the mission. We'll be kind of a bridge. Of course, 
we want to encourage that kind of effort and we still have some questions. So I, I end up asking things like, what are you going to do when a man or woman wants to sleep with his gun or knife? Oh, well, we'll have a rule that prohibits, that prohibits weapons of any kind, they replied. Oh, great. Okay. Well, can they look at pornography with their phones while they're there? Can they sleep with their service pit bull? Can they walk around naked inside the building? Will they, will they sleep together or are they separated by gender? Are registered sex offenders allowed? And how will you even know? Do you perform background checks? Every question that I ask like that is answered by the creation of a rule. They sound more and more like the mission all the time as we continue. For the next three years, they operated a warming center having both their food and laundry actually provided by the mission. They had to call the police almost nightly. Their building was damaged and defaced by those that they cared for. Not a single person out of that group was ever added to the mission as a result of their efforts. Eventually, by year four, well, they could no longer find volunteers willing to keep the program going. And that was only a one-night-a-week shelter. In the words of a former president, I think they misunderestimated the problem. Who gets to define low? When, when we ask what barrier does the mission raise that actually prevents somebody from entering, everyone gets all nervous and they start looking around as if we just asked something not to be spoken in polite company. Eventually it comes down to either our nicotine cessation policy and or the fact that we're Christians and, well, we do Christian-y things like pray and read the Bible around our resident population. And when I ask about any other problems or rules that we have, I get a resounding agreement that these all fall into the requirements for group living category. And, and of course, they would be necessary for a shelter of any kind. So let's look at these two enormous obstacles and see how insurmountable they really are. Let's start with the no nicotine policy. Our nicotine cessation policy has been a part of our program for over 10 years. In the last six years, it has included the temporary offering of nicotine patches to assist for the first five weeks of quitting, along with a personally, professionally run weekly support group. Our belief is that tobacco is a luxury and that a homeless person cannot afford it and is therefore it is critical that they discard this during their stay with us, not to mention that it's bad for their health. On average, we lose less than 5% of our resident population due to failure to keeping the agreement to quit. One third of those that fail will return and re-enter our program to try again. The truth is, is that the majority of our resident population actually quit for the duration of their stay. Rather than a barrier, I'd call that a huge success and a big step forward for those who are looking for a changed life. Residents often report a new sense of self-confidence in life. If I can quit smoking, I can do anything. That's a common phrase here. We celebrate this victory with them and we move on to things that make for independent living. In the end, it seems a larger obstacle for people outside of the program than for those who've entered it. 
It is particularly hard for those who imagine that a homeless person is incapable of behavior that society would expect of a criminal. Now let's talk about Christianity. One may argue that a person entering the mission may not be a Christian and therefore would be harmed by being made to listen to Bible studies and prayers. If I suppose that we make the word harm to mean something that's utterly foreign to it, then sure. But if we get to redefine words to make our case, then we just devolve into nonsense. I would argue that our culture's inability to listen to those who we disagree with plays a role in the homeless person's decision to isolate from the rest of society. And therefore, to reintroduce them to the practice of listening respectfully when someone is speaking about ideas contrary to their own, regardless of the topic, is actually helpful. We live in a time that imagines a virtuous society apart from religion. But if the 20th century has taught us anything, it is that societies that exclude or marginalize religion commit the greatest atrocities in human history. Virtue and religious freedom are absolutely inseparable pairs of supports that make our country great. It is Christianity that teaches that even fallen, broken persons are redeemable and capable of greatness, in part due to their being created in the image of God. Not being limited by class or caste, we are made to be free and to honor the one who made us. So where is the barrier in this message? Let me suggest to you, there is no barrier there. So the answer, what kind of shelter could possibly meet those criteria that we're looking for? It must be safe. It must offer to treat those looking for shelter with dignity. And it must have barriers low enough that those in need can actually enter. I'm convinced that the Gospel Rescue Mission in Grants Pass is at least one of those shelters. The rules in place are designed for patron and staff and volunteer safety. And the barriers are only those that even a criminal can comply with. Our faith teaches us that because mankind is created in the image of God, even the most broken among us are capable of accomplishing more than we imagine and are worthy of great dignity. We are what you're looking for. Well, that's another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. Thanks for taking the time to listen to me. And if any of this strikes a chord in your heart, rings a bell, makes you say, yeah, man, that's something that other people need to hear. Would you do me the favor of sharing it? Um, we really we really appreciate your support. Share us on Facebook. Share us by texting or email to your friends. Um, we really could use the support. And this message is one that I believe just has to be getting out into our culture today. And that's something you can do to help us. Um, you can find out more information about us at grantspassmission.org. And again, I really appreciate you. Thank you for listening to us. God bless you and have a great day.